0: Our words have the power to build up our spouse or tear them down, and that's part of the day-to-day rhythm of being married. And so today we're going to talk about the impact of our words and how that actually leads to having a healthy amount of desire and passion in our marriages. We're going to unpack all of that and more today. Stay tuned. <laughs> sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own or have you been in a season where it feels like he's completely silent have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear his voice more clearly hey friends I'm Rachel host of the hearing Jesus podcast if you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ then join me as we dig deep into God's word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life The Hearing Jesus podcast is so excited to partner with Compassion International. We believe in Compassion's mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsors, when they sponsor a child, have the opportunity to see firsthand the impact that you're making through letters and updates that you receive from your sponsored child. It's not just changing the lives of children. It's changing entire families, whole communities, always through the local church and always in Jesus' name. When you choose to sponsor a child, you enter access to quality education, medical checkups, healthy food, clean water, and most importantly, the love of Jesus delivered through a church in their community because of a generous, caring sponsor like you. And you can speak life, love, and hope to your sponsored child through personal letters that you'll exchange. I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child through compassion today. All you have to do is pull out your phone and text Hearing Jesus to 83393. You'll get a text back with a picture of a child who is waiting for a sponsor and a link to sponsor that child. You can also go to compassion.com forward slash Hearing Jesus to choose a boy or girl to sponsor. When you sponsor, we'll also send you a copy of She Hears Learning to listen to Jesus, my book, as a token of our thanks for investing in the life of a child. Thank you for joining me and sponsoring a child through compassion today. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host Rachel Kroll. Today we're continuing our devotional Bible study series on the Song of Solomon with our series on love, sex, and the Bible. If you're just joining us, I'd encourage you to go back and start at the beginning of this series because it all kind of builds on each other. But as we study chapter six today, I pray that it's a blessing to you. So I'm reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible. I will go ahead and I will read the passage. I'll give some commentary and then I'll read it again. Just a reminder that as an additional resource for you, I've also created a guided journal workbook for you to work through some of this content together, because I believe that journaling is a great way to get the information from your head to your heart. And so the link to that is in the show notes. If you're part of our Patreon group, those are sent out to you free with your ad-free episodes. But if you would like to just purchase that, it's only $7 on our shop. You can head to shehears.org to learn more. So starting at verse one of chapter six. This is the chorus speaking, and this is entitled The Mutual Delight in Each Other. Where has your beloved gone, a most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? The bride responds. My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He who pastures his flock among the lilies. The groom. You are as beautiful as Terza, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as awesome as an army with banners. Turn your eyes away from me, for they have confused me. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes that have come up from their watering place, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost her young your temples are like a slice of pomegranate behind your veil there are 60 queens and 80 concubines and young women without number but my dove my perfect one is unique she is her mother's only daughter she is the pure child of the one who gave birth to her the young women saw her and called her blessed the queens and the concubines also and they praised her saying who is this who looks down like the dawn as beautiful as the full moon as pure as the sun as awesome as an army with banners i went down to the orchard of nut trees to see the plants of the valley to see whether the vine had grown or the pomegranates had bloomed before I was aware my soul set me over the chariots of my noble people the chorus responds come back come back O Shulamite come back come back so that we may look at you the groom why should you look at the Shulamite as at the dance of the two armies now, you'll remember that the first three verses of chapter six actually go along with yesterday's passage, because while we have eight chapters in the Song of Songs, it was actually only six poems. And the reason for that, and just so you understand, is when the Not the authors of scripture, but the organizers of scripture were putting this together, especially modern translations. They divided it up into chapters to make it easier to reference, to find what you're looking for. But those breakups are not necessarily what was God inspired or God ordained or even originally intended by the original author. So the titles and the things like the chapters and the verse numbers, those are for your reference, but it's not necessarily, you know, I wouldn't hold it to the same weight as scripture. It's mostly for comprehension's sake. So that's why sometimes it it breaks up in weird spots. But at this point, the girl has finished her wasp, which if you've been listening for the last couple of days, you know that a wasp is a way that they used to communicate beauty in poetry and it would start from the head and work its way down the body and so she has finished that and now her companions which are the daughters of Jerusalem they have moved to join her in her quest because at this point they want to see this guy for themselves you know just like typical girlfriends you will share how much you appreciate or admire or love this guy that that you're married to or that you are in love with and the girlfriends get curious they want to see him too And then after the panic that she had, because she was separated from him, she finds out that he was only gathering lilies. And I think that also sounds familiar to us as girls. We get in our heads, we get ourselves worked up. Being in love can drive us to irrational fear. And so her inner thought life is full of fear and doubt, even while he's literally just out doing something nice for her. And Of course, that is one of the downsides of being in love. We have this fear of losing them. And that's not unique to us. They experience that in that time frame as well. I think that's all the more reason why it's important that men speak words of reassurance to women. And then we see another poem that's praising the beauty of this woman and how she affects her man. And so yesterday, we said that we saw her having fear and anxiety about being separated from him. And then today we see him reassuring her of his commitment to her. Does that sound familiar, anyone? And so her beauty is is the kind of beauty that makes the women around her praise her and talk about how blessed she is. And so we're going to kind of unpack some of those things that I think might be confusing for us as modern readers. Because again, while scripture was written for us, it was not originally written to us. It was written to this ancient people group that would have understood a lot of these references. And so in verse four, let me talk about this one. It says, you are as beautiful as Terza, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as an awesome, as an army with banners. So during this monarchy, Terza, which that name it means pleasing, and then, of course, Jerusalem, which that name means the perfection of beauty, these were royal cities, and that meant that they were very, very beautiful. They were the most magnificent cities in Israel. Terza was in the north, and Jerusalem was in the south. And so Terza, was the capital city in the Northern Kingdom for a long time. And if you think about even you know the famous capital cities that we know from around the world, but even in our own states, we know that there's lots of beautiful buildings there. Jerusalem itself was on top of a hill and it's surrounded by valleys on three sides. So the view there is just amazing. And so he is comparing her beauty to how you would feel in seeing the beauty in those locations. And that also actually helps us to date when this book was written because eventually Omri burned the city of Terza and moved the capital to Samaria. So by the time of the exile and afterwards, Terza was in ruins. So this song was most likely written when Terza was still standing and likely in its glory days. So that helps us date the, the authorship of this a little bit. And then the banner and the army, what does that mean? Well, that's basically talking about being as majestic as the troops. And I don't know if you've ever seen that in person. It's pretty amazing. My husband is a former Marine. And so we have seen some of those kinds of things where the troops will walk in perfect unity. And especially when there's a lot of them, it just kind of takes your breath away. And that was common imagery for them in this war kind of era that they were in. And so he's kind of referring to this majesty or that feeling of awe that you would have when you would see something like that. Hey friends, are you loving the deep conversations, the biblical insight, and the spiritual growth content that I share on the Hearing Jesus podcast? Well, I've got some fantastic news for you. Starting at just $5 a month, you can become a member of our Patreon community and take your Hearing Jesus experience to a whole new level. When you join Patreon, you gain access to ad-free episodes, daily journaling prompts and worksheets, monthly bonus content, personalized Q&A sessions with me, giveaways, and more. As a Patreon supporter, you're not just a listener, you're a valued member of my inner circle. But that's not all. Our Patreon community is a place where you can connect with like-minded people who share your passion for spiritual growth, engage in meaningful discussions, share your thoughts, and be part of something that's truly special. Plus, we've got some awesome perks lined up for our Patreon supporters— from shout-outs on the podcast to exclusive merch and more. So if you're ready to dive deeper into the journey of hearing Jesus, head on over to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Your support makes a real difference, allowing us to continue bringing you inspiring content week after week. Also, a portion of any income from Patreon goes to support children through our partnership with Compassion International. Again, head to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Thank you for being a vital part of the Hearing Jesus community community together let's learn to live out our faith in our everyday life and then in the next couple of verses he actually is repeating back to her this love poem that she declared to him in the previous chapter which again i think is pretty interesting because she is full of insecurity and she's insecure and worried and all the things, all the emotions, the human emotions we go through as women. And then he's literally repeating back to her the same poem that she said to him as a way to reassure her. And then there's this reference to queens and concubines, and then young women without number. What does that mean? Well, 60 queens and 80 concubines represent a lot of women that were associated with the royal court. Queens would have been the wives of the king and of the kings, and the concubines were the secondary wives of the kings. So, the young women of the court would be the young girls or the daughters of the women who would be serving in the court. And the reason why they would serve in the court is because there would be a trade-off, they would get educated that way. And that would prepare them to one day become worthy brides and they could marry well because education was pretty rare for, especially for young women in that time frame. So this bride, this girl that he's speaking to, is seen as higher than even the elite women of the time. And every, Everyone around recognizes that about her. So we can tell that she probably does have striking beauty about her. And then she is contrasted with all these other women because he only has eyes for her. I think that's a clue, guys. So when your woman is showing signs of insecurity, the response is not to fluff it off and just say, oh, get over it. It's to reassure her and help her feel like she is the only one for you. And then he starts talking about things like apples and pomegranates and gardens and nuts and vines. In the ancient Near East, those kinds of things were associated with something sexual. So even as he's describing these things in nature, this is actually a way to talk about their sexuality or things that he appreciates about their sexual relationship. And again, this was a more conservative culture, so they're not going to come out and say, body parts and those kinds of things. They're going to instead refer to them to different parts of of nature. And then we see this reference to the Shulamite. It says in verse 13, come back, O Shulamite. Why should you look at the Shulamite? Shulamite in Hebrew is actually the feminine form of Solomon. And so that word is related to that root word shalom. And that likely in this case means something like the perfect one. It can also be translated as princess. And so if the man is saying it, it's a compliment. If a friend were to say it, it would be sarcastic. Like if a guy would call his girlfriend princess, like, hey, come here, princess, or I love you, princess. That's different than if a friend says, okay, princess. It's kind of one of those words that can kind of go either way. And then they are basically saying to her, turn around, turn around, because they want to take a look at her. And the way that that's translated, it's interesting, because it's actually a dance of two armies. And it's a phrase in the Hebrew about a dance of two groups of women. And so he confronts them, and he's asking them, why are you looking at her like she's a performance, like a spectacle? So he's calling them out. Again, another important aspect that I think is really important. When a man sees that his woman is being ridiculed or, you know, any kind of threat that's there, even if it's just from her friends, he's standing up for her, which I love seeing that. And so, I think one of the themes that we see in this passage is that it's really important, number one, that we praise our spouse on a regular basis. And I'm not just talking like, okay, you did it on Tuesday and you don't need to do it again until Sunday. No, it should be a regular part of the way that you interact with your spouse. Praising them is an important part of making sure that their love tank is filled up. Even if words of affirmation is not your thing, you know, we did the love languages series, if words of affirmation is not your primary thing, it's still really really important no matter what to speak words of life and love of your spouse because there's this aspect in scripture this principle in scripture that we see over and over about how there's the power of life or death is in the power of the tongue meaning the words that we say can build somebody up or they can tear them down especially with our spouse we should always be building them up never tearing them down And I'm not saying to ignore problems. If there are problems there, certainly work them out, get some therapy, go see a pastoral counselor. I'm not saying to brush things under the rug, but attacking your spouse is not how you solve those things. You come together mutually with this goal of working it out. And so regular praise is very, very important. And, you know, it may sound like repetition to you, especially if you are not one that naturally gravitates towards words of affirmation, but it's showcasing this idea that it should be a regular habit of praising our spouse, especially in front of other people. And that does not come automatically. But what we talked about in the last series, and if you need to, you can go back and listen to the words section of that series, is it has to be something we're intentional about reassuring our spouse. Speaking words of affirmation and reassurance and praise is a really important part of our marriage, especially when we're going through a difficult season or we, there's some sort of stressor, which is, you know, let's face it, it's every day for most of us. So, given that insight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reread chapter six, starting at verse one. If I didn't mention earlier, it's from the NASB. I'm actually going to use the NASB for this entire series that we're doing, just so you know. So, Chapter six, verse one, it says, where has your beloved gone? O most beautiful among women. Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? That was the chorus. And now the bride responds. My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of balsam, to pasture his flock in the gardens and gather lilies. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. He who pastures his flock among the lilies. The groom responds. You are as beautiful as Terza, my darling, as lovely as Jerusalem, as awesome as an army with banners. Turn your eyes away from me, for they have confused me. Your hair is like a flock of goats that have descended from Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes that have come up from their watering place, all of which bear twins, and not one among them has lost her young. Your temples are like a slice of pomegranate behind your veil. There are 60 queens and 80 concubines and young women without number, but my dove, my perfect one, is unique. She is her mother's only daughter. She is the pure child of the one who gave birth to her. The young women saw her and called her blessed. The queens in the concubines also, and they praised her, saying, "'Who is this who looks down like the dawn, as beautiful as the full moon, as pure as the sun, as awesome as an army with banners? I went down to the orchard of nut trees to see the plants of the valley, to see whether the vine had grown or the pomegranates had bloomed. Before I was aware, my soul set me over the chariots of my noble people.'" The chorus responds, "'Come back, come back, O Shulamite, come back, come back, so that we may look at you.'" the groom. Why should you look at the Shulamite as at the dance of the two armies? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the way that you continue to reveal yourself in your plan for marriage and your design for marriage and love and sex and relationships through the passages of scripture. Lord, we thank you for the way that As we unpack these truths, it gives us wisdom on how to handle our own relationships, our own marriages. Lord, I pray for my friends today that as they are studying these passages, that you would honor them. You would honor them. You would give them wisdom. You would give them discernment. You would give them conviction when they need to feel convicted. You would give them direction when they need direction. God, I thank you for the way that you have authored marriage. And I just pray for a hedge of protection around the marriages of our listeners today, God, that you would help them to see that this is a relationship that you have ordained that you want to work in and through them to make sure that this relationship glorifies you god we thank you and praise you in all things in jesus name amen hey friend Every day when I finish the podcast, I feel so confident that this is one of the things that God created me for. And my journey is not unlike yours. I had a season in my life where I was doubting God's voice. I felt insecure about the things that I thought he might be telling me to do. If you were in that place, I want you to know that I offer spiritual direction and life coaching to help you get unstuck. Maybe you're struggling with something and need an objective biblical opinion. Maybe you need some help working through something that feels a little heavy. Maybe you feel called to Write or start your own podcast. Or maybe you just want to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly. For me, when God started to reveal His plan for my life, I found my purpose. And part of that purpose is to help you learn how to grow in your relationship with Him. My heart is to help guide you in this area so you can step confidently into the calling God has for you. If you would like to start spiritual direction or life coaching, I'm opening up space for a couple more clients. You can head to shehears.org forward slash coaching to learn more. That's shehears.org forward slash coaching. Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.